Hey everyone, I wanted to give a quick intro before this episode of Psychic Warfare in which I speak with Bobby Amaru, the vocalist for Saliva. Bobby was in a car during the recording of this podcast, so the audio is a bit choppy at points and eventually we lost our connection, which unfortunately meant that we couldn't finish the end of Tomes of Wisdom or complete any of the chasers, so you'll hear the episode hit the outro a bit abruptly. I'm sorry the audio isn't the greatest on this one and I've edited it together to the best of my ability, but shit happens and I still very much enjoyed the conversation I had with Bobby, especially with him telling an absolute heartbreaking story behind the lyrics of one song in particular. Also, as a separate warning, we do talk about some very sensitive subject matter towards the tail end of this episode. And with that out of the way, here's Psychic Warfare featuring Bobby Amaru of Saliva. This is Psychic Warfare. Welcome back, my friends, to Psychic Warfare, the podcast where spirituality and philosophy collide with heavy metal and rock and roll. I am your host, Chris Keelick, and thank you so much for joining me once again on another journey into the lives and minds of the most iconic musicians in heavy music. Just as a reminder, if you enjoy the podcast and these conversations with the artists you love, it would mean the world if you subscribed and followed the podcast on your platform of choice. Also, you can follow me and the show at Pod on Twitter and at Psychic Warfare Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. So if you get a chance to follow the show there for updates and happenings on all things Psychic Warfare. This week, Bobby Amaru, vocalist of hard rock chart topper Saliva, is joining me on the show. This band has been a mainstay in hard rock since their breakout in the early 2000s, and they've delivered four records with Bobby with new music on the way and being released as we speak. These guys know nothing other than to drop banger after banger in a long history of bangers, including many that I grew up with and soundtracked a lot of great memories in my life. But there's much more to the man than the hits we know, so I am so fortunate to have him on. Bobby, welcome to the Psychic Warfare Podcast, and it's a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks for having me, man. How are you feeling at this moment in time, mentally, physically, and spiritually? Stressed. <laughs> <laughs> easy easy to put it. Any, anything in particular that's causing the stress in all those Not ways? A lot, of, a lot of things, but, you know, just the, the pressure is a, lo- a lot of the pressure to get this record done right now because... I didn't realize they kind of, you know, happy new year. Uh, we need the record in two weeks. It was kind of got thrown at me a little bit, but mm. it's all good. You know, we, we got a lot of the songs done. We're just, we're having a hard time picking because we're picking from like 33 songs trying to pick 13. So that means 20 songs aren't going on. So yeah, no, it's just I, a, lot, a lot. Absolutely. I got you. And I'm, I'm curious. So what was your spiritual upbringing like? Like, did you grow up in a household that held a certain faith or was spirituality something personal that you kind of developed and discovered over time on your own? I would say that I discovered a lot of things on my own in the, in the universe. I believe in the universe and, and karma. And I do think that like, you know, my parents, they, they worked hard, man. They worked every day and I think tried to provide the, the best life that they, they could, but, I didn't really come from much, you know, when I go back to the, where I, you know, was born and I, I look at that area, I'm like, wow. Like, you know, I thank my dad for moving us to Florida, um, you know, and that, that's just life. It's kind of a, you, you take these stepping stones to, you know, to ultimately find, you know, the, the love of your life or find yourself. And, you know, I, I, th- I think that none of that stuff, what I'm doing today and what I have today would have never happened had I had actually Hurricane Hugo not hit Charleston. Mm. Um, I would say South Carolina in, in 89. Um, but, but as far as like 
anything uh, religion-wise. We weren't real religious growing up. I know, you know, my parents, you know, they believed in, in God and stuff and, you know, higher power. And, and for me, I think that as a kid, you know, I would go do the Sunday school stuff. And, but I think it was more for, for me to just meet other kids, you know, at that mm. time. And, and probably almost like a free daycare. Right. For, right. You know, but um, as far as like the spiritual stuff, I would say that I didn't really start getting into that or, or understanding it, you know, until I got older. You know, I want to kind of dive into some specific ideas that you've written about. You know, I wanted to start with your newest single, High On Me, because, you know, when I listen to it and read your lyrics, it seems to me to deal with this idea of chasing reality. You know, to you, what makes a moment or an experience real? You know, is it simply the presence of mind to kind of recognize it as such? Or is there some unknown feeling or aura about a moment that separates it from the rest of of day-to-day existence that you're like, that that you say, okay, this is a real moment and I got to remember this? Yeah, I mean, for me, like, you know, every day is a gift, you know, just being able to to wake up and, and live another day. You know, we live in a crazy world as it is. And then I think that, like, I'm I'm thankful that, you know, for the, the people around me and, you know, I'm thankful for my sobriety and thankful, you know, for, you know, my wife and just all the love, loved ones that I have. But it's like the, the whole spiritual stuff is I, I don't know where it comes from. I really don't. And I mm. couldn't tell you that, you know, I think it's just just all all my experiences and things that I've gone through. Um, I hold a lot inside too. And, uh, you know, I feel like the stage is where I release everything. I think all of us are looking to kind of take mental photographs to be present and take stock of moments where we have this clarity to realize something is real and joyful or even painful. Sometimes we, we need to take stock of the moments that are, are painful to us to learn from them instead of just kind of glossing over them in our minds and forgetting. And to you, how have you learned you said as you've grown older, you've, you've, you've definitely learned a lot. So how have you learned to stop and just be present in moments that are authentic and real? And what are, what are certain moments? What's the last moment maybe that you, you've, you've stopped and recognized as such and, and the strategies that you've picked up along the way to kind of help yourself? I feel like I, I, when I actually stop and think it's, you know, getting a, getting a moment to myself is very hard. Mm. So I feel like a moment to myself is, if I'm in a grocery store uh, or something, because I can walk around and kind of think about stuff, or right. if I'm song, if I'm, if I'm writing something, if I'm writing a song in my in my room upstairs and in my house, that's kind of the moments where I feel like I can think about life and think about the moments and and all and all that. It's just um, I don't really the wheels are always turning, you know, upstairs right. for me. Yeah, so it's hard to actually. There's just always so much going on. You know, yeah. with, with us, we got you know, fifteen-year-old son and eleven-year-old daughter, six-month-old, and you know, then trying to do all this other stuff. Yeah, you know, it's all part of life. I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, oh, of course, it's just, it's just you know, maybe I, maybe I don't really. I'm, I'm more worried about them, and I'm not really thinking about myself. Absolutely, but I think that you're. I think you're right in the sense that it, it may go hand in hand. I mean, having kids there may be memories you've made with your kids or certain milestones in their life where you've just been like, I need to remember this moment and don't, don't let it pass me by or certain things you do with your kids. And it may be a blessing and a curse. Cause as you get older, you're like, I have less time to kind of have those moments like in the grocery store and center myself. 
But at the same time, maybe you have more with your kids and, and you learn from them to be like, hey, this is important. I can't I can't gloss over this. I have to take it in. You know, as parents, I mean, that's what you you, you provide and support and you want nothing more than for your kids to succeed and, and to you know, to be happy, really. I mean, it's not about su- succeeding and making money, just meaning su- succeeding in life with, and happiness. Because I think happiness is the hardest thing to find. That's what people struggle with, you know, every day. Absolutely. And I was, just to follow up quick on that, do you feel that, you know, raising your kids, is it more, have you, have you kind of adopted the mentality of like, you know what, I want them to discover what makes them feel joy and them feel happy as opposed to kind of maybe steering the ship a little bit? Like, where is the balance between letting children, you know, kind of find their own joy and fostering that versus kind of like, hey, you may not know where you want to go. And so let me steer the ship a little bit. Like, where is kind of the line or the balance between those two things, you think? Well, I'm not one to force anything on them that Mm. they don't want to. I just I feel like, you know, like my my dad was kind of hard on me growing up. In, in the whole like practice, play drums and just music, music, music 24 seven. And I think that kind of like, you know, I can't be mad at that because it, it helped me and it does, it does help people, but I didn't really have a, a chance to do a whole lot of other mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, it's, it's fine, but maybe I, I take that and with my kids know that I'm not going to do that the same, the same way, you know, and I, I want, I want them to, to figure it out on their own. You know, I would love for my son to shred on the guitar and stuff, <laughs> but, you know, he's just kind of at his own pace. He plays a little bit here when he wants. He plays piano a little bit when he wants and things like that. And, you know, my daughter likes to sing and, you know, they both go to art schools and he's, you know, my son's really, really good artist. He's, you know, in, in visual arts. And uh, I think that's what he's like more into that's like most passion. Um, and my daughter, you know, she's 11. So she's kind of, she's got some time to figure it out, but she's, she likes to sing and stuff, but I'm not, I always try to encourage, let's write some songs and let's do this. You know, she's like, I don't really want to. And I'm like, okay. That's awesome. That's really awesome to hear. Cause I, I, I'm a firm believer in that too. And that's really cool to hear that you feel the same way. And, you know, diving back in, unfortunately on a, on a more sad note, but on a, a note that I enjoy here, You'll see when I when I bring it up here. You know, I love the chorus. I was listening to Revelation Man again. I love the chorus from that song. The line had to die to find a revelation. One man's hate is another man's sorrow. Don't take, then tell me what to borrow. You know, one man's born while another is dying. Come down or you better keep flying. You know, I know you've spoken in other interviews about how that song is, it, you know, it's 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 through the lens of your own sobriety and how, you know, people and you maybe perhaps have to hit rock bottom sometimes to change. Tell me a little bit more about what was going on internally and emotionally when you wrote those words specifically, like in that moment, what were you specifically thinking about? Was there memories that came to your mind? You know, what, what is that speaking about in your internal life? Well, that song in particular, you know, was one of those songs. Yeah. About having to go the lowest, furthest, deepest that you could go to find yourself again a lot of people have to do that that's really it's it's almost like one of the 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 steps you know that you have to to take is is realizing who you are and I think therapy when I started therapy when I got sober you know my therapist would always talk about finding the core the center core of who you are as a person like going back to Bobby that was that innocent kid, like, you know, you're, you know, high school kid who just loves music and 
and you just want to, you know, make it in music so bad or whatever that may be, you're not thinking about drugs, alcohol, and all this other stuff and chasing girls or any of that. You're thinking about that that kid who just had a love for life and a love for music. And, and I think a lot of that really helped me with the, the not only the sobriety, but just the lyrics and the thoughts of some of these songs, because a lot of songs on the record will reflect my sobriety. And it's like, I don't really subconsciously know that I'm doing it. I'm just writing what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. Yeah. And I'm just trying to make it sound cool. And then <laughs> when I listen back to it, I read it back. It's like, wow, okay, that makes total sense. I think I think ultimately what you're talking about is is living authentically. You know, you're discovering your most authentic self and you're helping other people kind of discover their authentic selves. I mean, when I listen to you know, like you talk about, you know, music, even if you weren't in the band at the time, a lot of Saliva's music and music that are on records that that you've been on brings me back to, you know, some of the, you know, most authentic moments of my of my youth, you know, and that's a really powerful feeling. And I'm just curious, personally, like, can you remember a moment that you're like, this was me at my most authentic, you know, maybe when you were younger, when you're talking about your therapist saying, hey, go back to that person. Can you remember a moment where you're like, I was authentic at that moment? Man, there were probably a few moments like that. I can just remember. I don't even know if it's it's more or less. It maybe it's finding your happiest, and when you know you're just the whole innocence of like before oh. you before you discover the world, you know, before you yeah, before life I, gets hard and shitty. <laughs> I'm yeah. just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> At eight years old, right out of high school. So I'm in L.A. At 18 years old, like with a fake ID going into the Viper room, you know, and, and going to, you know, the saddle ranch and drinking beers and doing stuff that I shouldn't have been doing, you know? And, and it's like, but, but before all that, you know, I didn't start drinking till I was 18. So I focused, you know, a lot just on trying to get through high school and music and, uh, but I worked really hard, you know, I, I did. And I think that's why I got a record deal at 18 was, you know, in high school, everybody else was boozing and throwing parties and doing all that. I wasn't doing that. I was actually focused. There were several times I can remember, like, I used to work at a movie theater. Wow. And the movie theater didn't open. It was just like a mom and pop movie theater. It didn't open until four o'clock. And I remember, like, I would sit, I would, like, I was in the box, so you'd come up and purchase tickets through me and I would sit in there and it would be dead, man, because like people on weekdays, right? they weren't all, you know, you'd have a few people show up. I mean, that movie's theater has been long gone, you know, probably gone 20 years now. But I remember I used to sit in there and I liked sitting in there. It was quiet. I had my little boom box. I could listen to music or not. And I would like read, I had magazines. I'd like read magazines and stuff. And then, and someone would come up and, you know, I want to see what, I mean, let me, let me think what was a movie back then. There was <laughs> this, like 99 and 2000. Um, you mean the golden age? <laughs> two, two for Pearl Harbor, you know, and like, you Damn. know, movies like that were out. You know, wow. like Blow, I remember Blow was that was in there. Ooh. Uh, me, myself and Irene was one of uh, the, the Grinch had come out. Um, Little Nicky, like a lot of those movies and stuff, you know, in that, that time. But, you know, I think where I'm going with this is that I can remember just liking that. The, maybe it was the silence or maybe it was just 
being confined in like this small little room, you know, by myself, but I could just think about things yeah. and, and, you know, and dream and daydream and, and about what I wanted to do in life and where I wanted to be. Yeah. Almost, almost like a form of meditation before you may have even known what meditation was. And uh, that's super fucking cool. I love hearing about memories like that. And I'm so glad that you brought that up and can recall that. And I just, I love stuff like that. So I think that's kind of what was going on a little bit. And, you know, I wanted to kind of talk about go back to another song you wrote. You know, I love the song when I'm gone off your last full length record, 10 lives, you know, that speaks about the legacy that we leave behind and the mark we leave on others you know, both on people we love and on strangers. And do you think that truly one of the the meanings, if you want to put, if there's say there's multiple meanings of living and existence is the mark that we leave on not just those we love, but on many people as we can to know that we've done and to have them know that we've done as much good as possible while we've been alive? Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't want to, to, to sound cliche, but like that song in, in particular was written on a, on a, a car ride a car ride is kind of how I came up with that. What I would used to do is I would like, I would just have the music and, and believe it or not, I wrote a lot of lyrics in the car. Like wow. that's how I would write be jamming the song, the music to it. And I'd just be coming up with stuff. And that's when things would really hit me. Like it's hard for me to just go up in my room and just write lyrics. Cause it doesn't always, you know, come at me like that. You know, I know some people say they'll get ideas in the shower, I never really had that either. That that never occurred as much as the car did. Right. Just drive around or grocery store. And and maybe it's because you're you're seeing so many things. Maybe it's the ADD in me of like <laughs> I, I feel you know, that you the store and it's like hmm, baked lays, ooh, you know, tide. Oh man, look at the 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 visual you know, stimulation. Yeah, I got you. Uh, the you know the paper towels and. Maybe that's what it, I don't know, man. Maybe that's where I get these ideas is by, you know, visuals. But When I'm Gone was one of those songs that was written just in, in a car. I was a passenger and I remember just actually I had headphones on and I was writing it there. So I think I was in my own little world writing the lyrics to that. You know, and I, I have I have some, you know, my family's not perfect and I've got some issues you know, with my mom and, and things like that and, and have had, and, you know, a lot of those kind of incidences like that, I think do spawn those ideas, you know, I mean, who doesn't want to leave a mark in life? I mean, everybody does. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm everybody should want to, yeah. I would think. You know? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would ultimately say, I think the, uh, one of our goals is to, to leave as much good on, on people as possible, you know, and, you know, I've, I've, I've asked this question a few times on here now, but I'm curious with you, especially how important is forgiveness to you? Is it something that you had to learn the importance of? And I wanted to ask if, if in your mind, if people struggle with forgiveness, how can you explain to someone how important it is? Or is that something that everyone has to come to on their own or, or not? Maybe that's a tough one because I think, I mean, forgiveness, I mean, it really just, it depends on, on the action. Should everybody be forgiven? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's not my place to say, I think you're only in control of your own actions and in control of what you can handle. And, you know, look, life is going to throw you a million different things 
you know, you're going to swing it a ton of them. You're going to miss a lot. You're going to hit a lot, but you're, you're, the goal is to not strike out. I've been there. I've, I've made mistakes. I've made tons of them. You know, I'm not happy about it. I'm not proud of, you know, have I been forgiven before? Yes, I have, you know, but then when you are forgiven, you have to, you really have to work at not making the same mistake. Sometimes you have to, you do a lot of self examining and, and take a look at yourself because you're probably the reason causing the issues to be forgiven in the first place. So once you minimize the mistakes, I think then, you know, you end up ultimately happier in life too. But, but forgiveness is, I mean, everybody in, in every situation is just different. It's a very, you have a very stoic approach to life and I appreciate that. And, but, right. and all, but all of these, all of these topics and ideas, they, they all tie into another song of yours that I love hand in hand, where you kind of write about the aftermath wow. of a suicide and, you ponder the afterlife even a little bit in that song. And, you know, you talk about, you cite the idea, especially in like classic depictions of hell, like in Dante's Inferno or Catholic belief that people who commit suicide are, are damned. And I wanted to ask, what is your view of the afterlife? Like, do you believe there is one? Does it matter if there is or not to you? Is it all just about kind of doing your best while we're here? I'd like to believe that there's a, com if there is a compassionate God or divine being that the good that someone does in their life and how hard they tried to be compassionate to everyone around them and would determine their fate over a single moment of, of pure despair. You know, what do you think about all of that? What, what do you believe in, in that regard? You know, I think that when we're, when we're gone, there are, I, I don't know where we go. I, I have, I don't think anybody does. And, you know, that's, that's the struggles with that I've always had in life with wondering about if there is God or, you know, what the higher above is, or is there, you know, aliens controlling us or, or whatever, you know, because I don't think anybody really knows, man, but I think you have to have faith and you have to have belief. And that's important in happiness and in, in, in feeling safe. We all want to believe there's a greater place and a better place after afterlife. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, of course, that's. I think about it. I just don't. I try not to stress about it. I try to like you know just live life and and just hope for the best. You know, just just try to enjoy my days here with my you know family. You know, as long as I can, and just try to try to live my best life and provide. And but it's it's crazy that you you said that song because, you know, that song that I wrote the song with was about his dad committing suicide and then he died six months ago wow you know seven months ago i'm very sorry to hear that yeah sorry for your loss and, and he was a well-known musician in nashville area and stuff and big songwriter great songwriter and i wrote tons of songs with him so yeah that was kind of a shock and that's one of those songs that like it's probably the best song that that i ever heard him do you know and i was just honored that he he wanted us to do the song you know, when you think about like what he was going through, I have no idea because he and I had kind of lost touch, but he did text me a lot the day before he died. Um, but, you know, he's just had addictions, man. And I, I think he tried, he tried to get help, but, you know, people have to want the help too. You gotta, you gotta meet it at least halfway a little or, or, or a little bit, man, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then it's tough, you know? 
and you know we don't walk we don't walk in anybody's I don't walk in your shoes you don't walk in my shoes I don't know what you're going through what you're thinking about just like I don't know what he was thinking about you know that's that's the tough thing about addiction is a lot of times we don't even know these people are dealing yeah. with it but I get the I get the sense that you you feel deep down that you know you know he was a good person like in your soul oh absolutely absolutely yeah he he was he was hilarious he had no filter i mean he was literally you know but he also yeah i mean he, he just was a very very strong-minded too yeah. you know but the, you know that song it's one of my favorite songs but you know as far as that when you get used to the fire that that kind of line was about going to hell and, and meeting his dad there hmm. because his dad he couldn't believe that his dad had you know, it gets it's darker because his dad actually called him on the phone. I was with him. This was in Jacksonville, Florida, probably wow. 2005, maybe. And um, his dad had called him and said uh, that he was going to kill himself. And, and then, you know, he's like, why would you call your son and tell tell me that? And he like hung the phone up on him. And his dad called him like about three, four more times. Wow. He never answered, and then he got the news the next day. Yeah, it's crazy, man. But you know, he went on. He, he, you know, Nolan went on to do like some stuff. He was on The Voice a couple times, and then he went on America's Got Talent, and he actually told that story. And then wow. he played another song that he and I wrote together called "Boss" on America's Got Talent, and he got through. Simon and them were like, "You're, you're in." You can guess. Yeah, that's super cool. I'm just, I'm so sorry to hear. You know everything that yeah. happened. And it's just the thing, you know, that's what you're talking about. It's these, these are good people and it's hard for me to believe. And I want to believe that, you know, if there is a divine being, a God that they're compassionate, like these moments that they were lost in and these, these things like that didn't take away from all the good that they did and who, all the good that they were, you know, as the, as a person. And right. I, I, I think that's what I'm most fascinated by is that you're like, you know what, do, do we, I, I, that you're saying, I want to believe that maybe you, you you won't go that you'll be somewhere better than hell, I guess. And I want to believe that, you know. So he would say things like, like he believed in God, but he would he would also cuss God too, and he would think that like God wasn't helping him or he wasn't making it in music or doing these things, and he felt entitled, like he deserved to 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 be this like really popular musician and all this stuff, and 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 he wanted to be doing better in life, but the addictions were bringing him down. The addictions were making him think that way, you know, and you take the addictions out. He's probably has a much happier life. And I think that, you know, it's, it's going to the root of what's causing the issues for me. Alcohol, you know, was something that I don't know why I ever liked it. I mean, I really don't because I wasn't one of those drinkers that could just go out and, I mean, I guess, you know, I could have a drink or, or two, but then I get back home and I have to have five or six more. It's just, we're on the road, same kind of thing, you know. You know, I felt like at 35 years old, you know, I was at a place in life where I was, you know, recently married and just, I wanted better things and, and my future with, with my kids and my wife and my family. And I knew that cutting that out was going to get me there in a happier fashion is going to get me in those you know a lot faster than had i just stayed 
you know, I, I read an interview with you where you spoke about how much respect you have for teachers during the pandemic. And now even after the worst of it, you, which is more than justified how much respect you have. And, but, uh, you know, teaching can go beyond subjects in school. And I'm, I wanted to ask you if you have a, a resonant memory in your life where a teacher taught you something that went far beyond what we think of as like normal lessons. And it kind of was something that impacted you in your life that you've held on to. You know what I enjoy? Like I, I enjoy listening to elders tell stories. Same here. Like I, I like that. Like my wife's grandmother and stuff. I like love hearing her like tell these stories about stuff from, you know, years ago. And I don't know. I just, I, I think that's calming for me. And then, and it also, um, I find it interesting because I would rather have somebody tell it to me than read it. Um, I think it just has a much more impact, but I, I, I enjoy, but even as far as like teachers, anything I've, I've really learned through life and, and along the way and just you meet people and I've always just tried to be a good person. And, you know, I was never, you know, a kid in school that I never wanted to like fight. I was never into that stuff. I mean, I played sports, I played baseball and football and stuff, but I mean, I, I was bullied, you know, I was not, I was not a bully. So I guess in that, in that, um, since I would, I would be bullied, but then I would like turn around and just still want to be nice and still want to be, you know, try to truth or like be friends with the kid, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's powerful. I mean, so it wasn't really a person. It was kind of more of just moments that kind of informed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would have people that would kind of come in and, you know, they were like father figures and things like that, but there's just, you know, aunts or uncles or people that you just actually look up to. You know, I think that a lot of people have, have those, you know, in, in life. And you know, there's, there's a lot of people that don't have, you unfortunately don't have parents and they've had their grandparents or, you know, or other relatives raise them. Or, yeah. My wife included, my wife was raised by her grandparents. So I totally my wife, get it. My wife, mostly yeah, her grandparents, both sides. With that being said, Bobby, you know, that brings us to our final two segments of the show. So first up is Tomes of Wisdom, uh, where each guest recommends us three pieces of media that have inspired them philosophically or spiritually in the last year. This can be books, films, games, comics, you know, anything that has made you think about your own life or life in the world in a different way or that's impacted you. So, Bobby, what are three pieces of media that you've consumed that you would recommend for us to digest? There's a true breeze book called Come back stronger that's pretty good and, and that book actually inspired a song for our our new record as well um, i'm into sports so I, I you know i like hey you know, me too man my grandfather lived in new orleans for until he died you know, he lived there 38 years so the saints were kind of a big deal too um and they, they finally won a super bowl and then he passed you know the a year later but at least he got to see that Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to Psychic Warfare. If you like content like this for the rock and metal scene, it would mean a lot to me if you could hit subscribe or follow on your podcast platform of choice. Also, you can follow me at Risk with a K on Twitter, and you can follow the show at Pod on Twitter and Psychic Warfare Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you guys again for all the support, and I will see you in the next episode for another round of Psychic Warfare.